Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Movement Podcast, episode 144. So um, we've had some fantastic emails this week, and I kind of just want to jump straight into them. Um, I don't really have any other updates for you at the moment. Uh, for those that are brand new to this podcast, this is your first episode. What this is, is essentially our way, um, primarily it's our way of connecting with our members that are on our course, the Mandarin Blueprint Method. Um, so any sort of comments that come in over the week that we think other people would definitely benefit from hearing, uh, we would put it in the podcast. And it's also just a way of uh, connecting with the, those people personally, uh, when, you know, because Phil, Phil and I uh, run the course just ourselves. We don't have uh, so much time. Um, so this is a way of us sort of maintaining that personal connection and also as a sort of byproduct, it does create great material for the course itself. So if you're on the course, it's not only the best way to learn Chinese in existence, uh, it's also a way to kind of become <laughs> part of a living curriculum. Um, so it, that's essentially what we're doing here. Um, so I'd like to start this week. Uh, with a very very interesting email exchange I had with someone that would like to remain anonymous, um, but someone who is, let's say, who's been learning Chinese for a little while, I'd say, uh, with us, probably uh, a few months, but she's had some experience learning Chinese prior to that. And she got in touch with me uh, about a week ago, asking a question about speaking. Uh, the title, the subject of the email was shadowing versus free speech. So rather than explain, I'm just going to delve into the email and I'll talk to you about my my response to it. I think a lot of people find this useful because I know personally I've had this same, uh, this same problem uh, when I was learning and I know a lot of other people do too. So hi Luke and Phil, I'm just getting started with speaking. I was not going to yet, but I happened to notice someone on a language app who was isolating in a hotel, and I thought, yay, here's someone who cannot escape saying he's busy. <laughs> I'll see if he can help correct my writing. And just a quick thing here. With speaking, I know it's, uh, it's a common thing uh, with learning languages uh, to delve into speaking immediately. We don't necessarily suggest that. I think you should start speaking practice whenever you're personally comfortable with, whether that's day one or day 300. But really, um, we believe that you don't really get the full benefits of speaking practice until you have a foundation uh, of listening and reading uh, to, to build upon. Because speaking, the way it works, is it, it, it's largely about activating passive vocabulary that you already have. So uh, you have to do it separately. You can't just read Chinese for a year uh, without any speaking practice and then suddenly be fluent. You have to practice speaking, of course. But at the same time, you can't really do much speaking without input, comprehensible input, because how can you produce something when you haven't heard it before? Uh, just like we do with our native language. So it's, a very, it's the most natural way of learning language. And essentially in any realm, when you conform to nature, it's always the best way to go. Um, otherwise, you're just fighting against what's naturally what naturally comes to you, right? 
Um, so our course is all about teaching you how to read and understand Mandarin and feeding you Mandarin that you can understand of, of increasing complexity only when you're ready, of course, to have a full understanding, or almost full understanding of what's going on. So you can connect to the material and act and create passive understanding of the language. And then you go and write and you go and speak in your own time and you activate that vocabulary. So uh, this person has just started with that process, started sort of delving into it. And uh, she continues, it turned out he did not want to write at all, just speak. So we started talking. Very, very simple language on the level of where are you from and what is the weather like in Beijing today. It's been great fun, although he needs to repeat every short sentence two or three times slowly, very slowly, before I maybe get what he's saying. It takes me even longer to say anything myself, but he's locked inside a hotel room, so he has time and therefore infinite patience, and I decide to take the opportunity to speak daily for these two weeks. Luckily, his Spanish is not that much better than my Chinese, so I have done my share of repeating and speaking very slowly in return. I'm a bit obsessed with pronunciation. I think that I can do okay on pronouncing single syllables and tone pairs. Maybe not great. Problem initials are still hard. Problem initials are those sounds that don't exist in English. Uh, and uh, and uh, um, So they, we call them problem initials at Mandarin Blueprint. But when I repeat after another person, whether it's shadowing sentences online or speaking to someone, I think I'm mostly understandable. That's the most important thing for me now. Although in the long run, I do hope to get much better than just understandable. That's, that's a good goal to have, yeah, for sure. But speaking freely, it's a totally different thing. I find there is a huge gap in my level of trying to pronounce a sentence freely to shadowing them. Of course, yeah. So much so that I don't really understand why. I mean... I guess it's normal, but still, if I can say things more or less correctly than shadowing, I must have somehow understood how to use my facial muscles to produce those sounds. It's less of a physical problem with your muscles, it's more of a mental thing um, in terms of activating that, that vocabulary. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But when the model audio is not there, it's as if my face just cannot make those sounds and something totally different comes out. I don't know if it's because I'm able, I may be trying to speak too early or too fast. It feels like there must be some switch to flick in my brain to apply the shadowing mode into free speech. But I'm just totally in the dark as to where that switch is. Why does it feel so different? They say it's good to have a silent period in the beginning. Uh, that was inspired. That's something that uh, I personally learned from uh, Steve Kaufman, who's um, a serial language learner, polyglot, and creator of lingq.com, link. Um, and that's something that he suggests. And it's, it calms a lot of people down, <laughs> saying you can just not speak for several months, as long as you like, really, when you're first getting into a language. First get used to it, understand it, and then speak when you're comfortable. Um, and we, can't, we I pretty much agree with that. Um, again, as long as that's what you want to do, you, you feel comfortable with. But I've been listening to Chinese online only daily for almost two years. Most of it has not been comprehensible to me. And I do notice that listening to the MB sentences seems to help much more than other more difficult material. Yeah. So there's a couple of things here. Um, where is that switch between shadowing and free speech? Well, uh, now we'll, we'll address this one first about the listening. The key is comprehensible input. 
So if you're just listening to stuff, you just you don't speak Japanese and you just put on a Japanese TV show or just TV and you start flicking around, you are not going to learn the language. Or if you do learn it, it's going to it's going to be incredibly inefficient because 100% or 99% of everything you do not understand and there'll be certain things you get through context of the visuals which will help a lot but it's just it's just such a terrible way to go in terms of learning a language you need to start small with the very basics again just like you did with your native language you know your you know you learn mama mama baba <laughs> you know dad mom whatever your native language was and um and then you gradually went uh, to other words, basic vocabulary, and then you phrases eventually after like a year and a half, <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't have to be that slow, by the way, but you get the point. Um, you can't just delve into reading Charlotte's Web <laughs> when you don't understand uh, mama or, or dad, you know. Um, and of course, I'm being extreme to make a point. Of course, you weren't doing trying to read charlotte's web in chinese or anything, anything else but you get the point it's got to be at your level which is why learning chinese is so darn difficult because how do you start reading and listening how do you get to that point from zero to one and, and that's what we help you with um and yes we feed you content that you can understand at every level from the very very basic level to the intermediate to the more advanced you always understand at least 90%, preferably 98% of what you're looking at and listening to. And the, the other 2 to 10% is merely to give you that, to spur you on to continue learning. The I plus one theory from Stephen Krashen. So, yeah, you're going to, so basically a lot, you know, a lot of that listening practice, if you didn't really understand it, it's mostly a waste. It's not completely a waste. Of course not. Because you're still getting the language, or you're you're getting used to it in certain ways. But if you're not really understanding the message of what's being said, even partially, it's not really worth your time. It's a waste of time. So that is why you spent two years and not really made that much progress with it. What to do and how to bridge that gap between shadowing and speaking freely? Should I stay silent a bit longer to avoid developing bad pronunciation habits? Just listen to more comprehensible stuff like MB stories and sentences. Should I just shadow more? Study the pronunciation mastery course again. Keep speaking, but make sure to keep it on my level and just repeat a conversation. Supposing I find people patient enough to do that for me. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> All the other stuff, not really. Yes, that final point. Where is that switch? I know it has to be there in my brain somewhere. If I can shadow, why can't I speak? <laughs> This is troublesome, difficult. I feel very frustrated and also very excited and happy at the same time. Really looking forward to getting to a point where I can actually speak Chinese to communicate with people. Kind regards and thank you. So of course I responded and basically the, my, the first thing I said to this person was, if you're being honest with yourself, how many hours, not how many like lessons have you had, I've, I had a 45 minute lesson, and therefore, I've practiced speaking for 45 minutes. No, no, no. You probably spoke literally the speaking time for you was probably 10, 15, 20, less than half of that. So tell me exactly or roughly as, as exact as you can. How much time have you spent freely speaking Chinese since, since you started studying? Be honest. You know, really think about it. 
again, don't be to be like, well, I've 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 spent uh, one hour a week with a tutor for you know six weeks, so that's six hours of speaking. No, it's more likely one hour or probably less. Um, so <laughs> that was the the main question I asked, and I said, you what you focus on grows, and that's again true in all sorts of realms of life. When it comes to language learning, what you focus on grows. Um, and if you want to get better at speaking, you have to uh, freely, uh, you have to speak freely. Shadowing is fantastic. Um, reading and listening, reading out loud. Shadowing is basically, if, you don't, if you're not sure, listener, what that is, it's when you listen to audio and you try and re repeat what you hear at the same time or as close to the same time as you can. And also read is, is, is great. If you can do all those three things at the same time, You'll improve your pronunciation, your reading, your listening, all simultaneously. But guess what? If you're just riding your bike with training wheels on all the time, when you take those training wheels off, you're still going <laughs> to fall on the floor, right? Because you need to practice without training wheels. So anyway, this person got back to me uh, with this reply. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. My total hours of speaking Chinese, really easy to count, maybe six in total. Three of them way too early, a year ago, an hour, a month ago, and maybe a total of two hours over the past 10 days. And I was like, yes, I knew it. I do realize I'm being a little impatient here, LOL. This person is not a bad teacher, though. He's a Beiwai, Beiwai English major. I guess that's the, yeah, that'd be a, a big university in Beijing. Professional interpreter and seriously studying his second language, second foreign language, close to my age, most most in Hello Talker, around 25 at the most, and seems willing to help. I help him a lot too, and he's not there to flirt. <laughs> so again, a lot of people use these apps as dating apps. You got to watch out for that. So far, I've been doing a lot of character learning, reviewing in Anki, flashcards, maintaining my pre-MB characters on Scritter. Scritter is a great app too. Reading, writing, simple things on Hello Talk and reading answers there that are way beyond my level. Again, try and keep it to your level. That's a very important thing. My challenge is to have patience to stay on the comprehensible level in input and not try not to try to say too difficult things when writing or speaking although I find that in general people understand me even if it's a try even if I try to write things above my level but if they don't correct me there's a risk in that that she's referring to here is making mistakes that go uncorrected repeatedly leads to bad habits which are hard to break and end up uh, just being affecting your language long term so yeah um, you want to basically when you're writing or speaking you want to try mainly to stick to something that you understand and that you know you know how to say correctly and if you don't you ask a question or you look it up first and then you say it um, and it's fine to make mistakes uh, but as long as you know you're confident the person will correct you so usually I get a paid tutor to do that and I explicitly tell them I want you to be strict with me and correct every mistake I make um, in detail all of my HT, hello, hello Talk friends, are language majors. I write regularly with four to five people, trying to do a little bit every day. Plus, there's a mother in Finland, the only one who's not a language man, major, who reads little Chengyu stories. So Chengyu are uh, Chinese idioms that are very, very old and connected to ancient stories and things like that. They are always four characters long. Uh, and they, more often than not, have a very interesting story behind them. 
who reads little Chengyu stories to her two-year-old daughter, and they read them to me together. That's adorable. <laughs> I don't try to understand them or memorize them. I just try to transcribe the opinion. That's hard. And repeat. When I send my audio, I get comments on pronunciation and explanation of the meaning of the Chengyu. Listening to the tiny learner and her mother, who sounds quite like a sergeant pronouncing clearly and loudly for the kid is a nice way to practice. I know, I know, we shouldn't do kid stuff, but there is a human connection in this. I know her kids are having a bit of a hard time in Finnish daycare and maybe feel good about listening to a Finn trying to learn their language. And I thought it was nice who this just happened, that this just happened unplanned. Well, first of all, I never, nor Phil would ever say, don't listen to kid stuff. Um, what we do sometimes say is that it's kids stuff is, is often a little bit more difficult and less relevant to natural everyday Chinese than you would normally expect. Often because kids are mostly fluent in Chinese anyway. So kids books are usually there to teach them the more complicated stuff for their level, you know, like Cheng Yu, for example. Um, that's all. But uh, in your specific situation, I wouldn't I wouldn't personally bother with Chung Yu right now and stories and things like that, even if they're really fun, because you need to focus on things at your level uh, to for for efficiency, for the sake of efficiency. If that's what you want, you want speed and you want efficiency, you need to focus on things at your level. Um, but I'm never against, I wouldn't say don't look at kids' stuff because I, I'm all about enjoying yourself as well. So if you, if, if you want to enjoy yourself and you, you enjoy doing what that, that is, then do it. <laughs> so I thought speaking a weird small language like Finnish was a huge handicap for any language exchange, but not at all. People who want to learn Finnish are generally very interested in languages, maybe not all, but I've been out there on HelloTalk, I mean, for seven months picking out the best through actively helping them to keep them motivated to chat with me. That's such a great idea. And that's how you maintain good language partners. It takes effort, consistent effort, just like any relationship. Um, where if you just pay for a uh, tutor, then you don't have to worry about all that. But of course, there's you, know, you have to pay for it. In any case, I've had now my fun trying to go above my level lately and start communicating. I think now is the time to come back to my real level again and stay there for a while before I venture out too far into hello talk land. Yeah, and this is why children learn faster. This is why adults learn slower. It's not because we're worse at learning languages, it's quite the opposite actually. We're, we have the mental capacity to learn languages faster using say a method like ours. But unfortunately, adults have a, a bunch of other issues like this, which uh, I've also been very guilty of which is I, I want to say this, I want this, it's, ego comes into it. It's essentially ego, it's pride. And I want to, I want to speak, be at this level or impatience, whereas a, a kid doesn't think like that. A kid just goes, I want to say this thing so I can say, I can play with this kid. Oh, what's that? What is this? And they'll just ask. They don't have these sorts of, um, I guess you could say emotional baggage or just uh, all sorts of stuff that comes with being an adult. Uh, um, and it causes all sorts of things that slow us down in the long run. Uh, basically, yeah, if you just if you just go with nature um, and 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 uh, try not to think about the process too much and overanalyze, go at your level um, and just speak every day, speak about everyday topics, try and say everyday things, say what comes to mind. 
um, you'll have a much better time. So thank you. She says, thank you for everything. I'm here and studying every day, even if you haven't heard from me much lately. So that's great. And then actually, and then we, uh, just as I was preparing the podcast today, uh, she responded again. And she says, hi, Luke and Phil. I just have to share with you some feedback from yet another new Hello Talk friend of mine. I had a big laugh with this today. We have been chatting in a happy mix of very simple Chinese, beginner level, hello, how are you? Awesome. Finish and some English for two days. And, I, and this time I have done my best to keep things simple and not go above the level of what I actually can do so that my Chinese would sound like Chinese and not just a bunch of barely comprehensible things put together without much order. Oh my God, it's like, this is just great figuring this out. And also, again, this sounds like me. This is exactly what I would try to do. And it slowed me down so much, just overcomplicating things, trying to sound smart when I didn't have even a basic vocabulary yet or a grasp of grammar and stuff like this. Yeah, anyway, I'm glad you've... Um, I'm glad you turned things around. So this is a little snapshot of her conversation with her tutor. So, wow, that's me. So that's her. She says, Which is a really well done sentence, which basically says, I think we could um, uh, study simple sentences together uh, and practice uh, pronunciation or you know, drill pronunciation. And then the pengyo, the friend, says, your Chinese doesn't have any grammatical problems. How did you do that? It's amazing. And she says, it's called comprehensible input. My online Chinese course, this sounds like we've written this whole series of emails now, isn't it? It's like a, making it into a, like a, a sneaky advertisement. <laughs> but this is what she said. My online Chinese course teaches with that method, the man, mandarinblueprint.com. Those guys are my language learning heroes. And then the, the friend says, wow, then they really are heroes. Your Chinese is spy level, spy level. So thank you, Luke and Phil, my language learning heroes for taking me to spy level Chinese by the end of found, the foundation course. I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> like maybe spy level, like 间谍水平, level. Um, I just know that sounds awesome, spy level. Maybe it's like a translation from a popular Chinese internet slang or something like that that the kids use these days. But either way, we all know what that means. That means awesome Chinese. Um, the end of the foundation course, by the way, is the end of phase five, level 36. I'm just finishing the last final touches of level 36. so You can official, <laughs> officially rename the course Spy Level now if you wish, LOL. My Chinese is, of course, still very basic. But I'm having so much fun with this, and you have made me feel easy all the way. Which means thank you. So that's just great. Um, I was so happy. It put a big smile on my face to read this. Um, when someone's having an issue and they figure it out like this in such an amazing way. Um, and she's still, this is what's called a breakthrough. And it's it's a great feeling, and it happens it happens a handful of times over your journey, maybe like five, ten times. You, you feel like there's these huge surges in your level. Like, Whoa, I can do this now and I could not do this yesterday or a month ago or whatever. Um, and it feels just euphoric. It's great. And she's still got so far to go. She's based, the, the, the foundation course is just that. It's foundation. You're, she's laid the foundation 
a solid foundation because that's how we structured the course slowly and steadily at first and then gradually increasing and exponentially in speed and and progress but she can read she can write she can listen she can now speak as well she's starting to um and (laughs) that's just with a few extra hours of speaking practice put in you know it makes so much difference guys um so i think this is inspiring i think you should get out there as well if you're listening if you're on the course or not um i think you should start getting a language exchange partner and start putting in those hours or minutes uh, speaking each week uh, whether that's with a paid or a free tutor uh, and you will see after just a few hours not even like a month like even days you'll notice a difference if you just relax have fun and don't try to go above your level too much and just and and, and stay <clears throat> stay um stay humble and and uh and just and uh you know and just try and imagine just be like a kid you know just be like a kid uh so thank you very much to this person it was it was awesome and i look forward to hearing updates in the future so next is a uh, sorcha uh, it's a new member of ours, uh, just said hello in the community. My name is Sorcha and I purchased the course a while ago but wasn't ready. I didn't have a fire under my why and my self-confidence was beyond lacking. It was non-existent. Things are different now. I've been listening to the podcast, highly recommended for newbies, and getting an overall feel for the MB way, the Mandarin Blueprint way. And the case studies are massively inspiring. Yes, I agree. Please go check those out on YouTube and our podcast uh, on our website. I've reached a tipping point of sorts where I just knew that I was in the right frame of mind to give it a red hot go and do the work that this course would require if I wanted to be successful, which I do. I live in Australia and we have a number of mainstream programs that are in Chinese now, news, dateline, etc., as well as a number of TV shows, etc. So this language is definitely on the move here. We also have a channel dedicated to international broadcasting and Chinese movies in Cantonese or Mandarin and TV are easy to find. That's good, yes. Our Chinese TV and movies are a great resource of input. I regularly watch a date, dating show called If You Are The One. Is that Fei Chang Wu Rao? I'm not sure. Which is a cultural mind blower. Haha. <laughs> with movies, I enjoy heartwarmers and comedy as opposed to action and war with flying warriors, although I'll watch them too. Last week I saw The Nightingale, which I loved. The other night I watched Lucky Grandma, which I found hilarious. I'll be watching that one again. The main character reminded me of a neighbor I once had. I have a time frame, materials, got my head around Anki, and I'm organized, so here I go. Hi, everybody. Yeah, well done, Sorcha. Um, and it's so good that you're interested in Chinese films and TV. I I patriot them up for a long time. Patriot is like, sort of look down upon them, sort of, um, cut them out of like a, a possibility of using because I, I look, yeah, like, I was like, oh, Chinese movies are so silly or Chinese TV shows are so badly written. But actually, once you get into them, they're really good. Um, even the newer ones, like there's a lot of rubbish movies, but every, I think it seems like everyone's making rubbish movies these days anyway. That's besides the point. Um, <clears throat> they could be really hilarious, uh, especially the ones like pre-2000. Chinese movies in the 90s, 80s, and the 2000s as well, like early 2000s, are just some of them. They've got tons of great ones. Um, lots of silly comedies, like you say. So uh, if you if you enjoy them, 
And if you don't, if you feel like you don't enjoy them, give them a chance. You know, just give a few a chance. They're, they're a great opportunity, not only to learn the language, but also to understand the cultural aspects, which are also incredibly important. Um, so welcome, Sorcha. And now you're looks like you're full steam ahead. I expect to hear back from you within, you know, a month or two. And uh, you know, I'd like, well, I'd like to hear back from you to hear an update on your progress. Next is uh, George from the community. There's another introduction for us. So George says, hi, everyone. I'm just in the early stages of the pronunciation course. I had also started the character course, but found the movie making bit a bit daunting. Uh, yes, that it can be at first because it's the idea of um, we're asking you to use a part of your brain that you maybe haven't used very much since you were a kid. <laughs> For a lot of people, anyway, this is the case. Uh, and essentially learning a new skill to learn a new skill. So it's not just, okay, we're going to start teaching you Chinese now. No, no, we lay the foundation. So we say, okay, we're going to teach you this skill, which is a skill that memory athletes use to memorize ridiculous amounts of information easily, um, which a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa this is, I just want to learn Chinese. You know, why are you making me learn mem this, this memory athlete? This sounds really some, something only really smart people could do or some people, people that are really creative. And it's absolute nonsense. It's, it's actually really easy. It's just a step-by-step -step process that anyone can learn. Uh, even with people that have aphantasia that can't actually visualize things very well or at all, they still can do this method with other using other senses. So everyone can do it. But I get, I completely understand. We've had this since day one, since, you know, five years ago when we were teaching this live uh, in Chengdu. Like every, we'd always get these people, always, maybe about 10, 20, 30% max of people that would just be like, oh, it's not for me, sorry, I'm not this kind of person. But after we sit them down and walk them through the process and they make a movie, they realize how simple it is. You know, it's, uh, it, it all becomes clear. Uh, but uh, completely understand your feeling there, George. For now, I'll concentrate on the pronunciation, although using that to familiarize myself with Anki. Yes, and that's another thing that, we, that you need to learn at the moment with the course. Uh, but this is something that will be changing very soon. Um, well, very soon is <laughs> well, as soon as we can. Uh, we're we're going to be beta testing a new flashcard software and new flashcard app. Um, and again, if you'd like to uh, beta test, just just send us an email contact at mandarinblueprint.com. So you know Anki, memory palaces, you know all this stuff. It's it can be it can be intimidating, um, but it's all worth it in the end. Trust me. It's and it's not even that long. It's like it's like a few hours of figuring stuff out, and then once you have your once you figured it out, you're you're equipped to progress. Uh, I don't know how many times faster, but a lot faster than the average learner. So George continues. He says, "I've been studying Mandarin for just over three years now, but found I just seem to be going round in circles at the beginner elementary level, doing one course after another, but never feeling confident enough to move on." While looking for materials and tips to help me improve pronunciation, I came across Mandarin Blueprint via the shadowing technique video on YouTube. My interest was triggered and here I am. My reason for learning Chinese is that I love all things language and I like a challenge. I already speak reasonable but rusty French and I'm fluent in Indonesian. Chinese was always on my language bucket list but I guessed it would not be easy and so I never got round to it. Now I'm retired and have time 
that needs to be filled and a brain that needs to be exercised. I started three and a half years ago with the Open University's first year Chinese program and then continued on my own. At that time, I had vaguely imagined a structured system that might have guided my journey, but never really managed to work it out. So when I came across Mandarin Blueprint, I recognized the sort of system I had dimly imagined before. This is such a common story. When we do our case studies or interviews with our members, um, so often it's this story. I learned, tried to learn Chinese for three months or a year or three years or even 10 years. Uh, and then I stumbled across this, this method. Um, and uh, I, a lot of people also say, oh, I know there's a better way out there. There's got to be a better way. So I'm maybe going to try and figure out on my own, like, uh, which is exactly what Phil and I did. You know, that's exactly what... That, that was what led to the birth of Mandarin Blueprint is us just being like, there's got to be a better way. I think we can figure out a better way. <laughs> um, and we actually had the time and the inclination to do it, uh, unlike most people, right? So here we are. Continues, I, I spend a lot of time on passive input, i.e. watching Chinese films and dramas without any explicit study involved and also use dual Chinese the chairman's bow and graded, other graded readers in addition to whatever study program I am actually following. Most recent, recently, it's Chinese for us. I believe that's another um, very uh, detailed um, Chinese course, similar to uh, sort of in the same vein as Mandarin Blueprint or Yo-Yo Chinese. Um, and I've, I've heard great stuff about them. My experience so far with pronunciation is that it seems to be working. I think where you win out is that most courses focus on the presentation of language, but fall short by not providing adequate practice opportunities. Your use of flashcards in Anki provides that. I'm cautiously confident about my success at this time. I'm really excited for you, George. And yet cautiously confident is a great, it's very smart thing to say. Um, because again, when you've when you've you know been failed so many times by other resources, um, been disappointed over and over again, why would you think that this one's going to work? It is. <laughs> so, like, congratulations, you found the one that actually works. Um, I don't. I'm not not boasting. I'm just basing that on hundreds of reviews and case studies that we've had, and um, it just works. Uh, and again, you will need to, if you want to get good at speaking. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you will need to practice speaking on its own, but you don't have to worry about that right now. Uh, and, and of course, writing and things like that. Just make your way through the foundation course. Do not be scared of the memory palace technique. Like I said, anyone can do it. Uh, and we got, we baby step you through the whole thing. And what makes it really easy, what cinches it is the comments from all the other members, just such detailed movies, which I'll go into some um, in just a moment. Uh, comments just to help you along. Uh, of course, to keep, uh, these podcasts, you know, and of course, our email. We're available by email every single day. Uh, so if you ever have run into anything, any issues, uh, we'll, be, we'll be there for you. So yeah, I'm excited for you and keep in touch. Keep us updated. Next is um, Keith Travis. Oh, this is a very interesting couple of emails here. Um, well, no, these were just, sorry, these were just uh, comments, actually, detailed comments on the P1 
platform itself. This is always good to hear from people that have really made it through a chunk of the course and are sort of giving their findings. And these sorts of, this sort of feedback for anyone else listening that's on the course, this is absolute gold for us. Uh, any feedback is, is gold, but this specific where it's like very specific and I can now do this now that I've made it to this level. Anyway, let's get into it and I'll, I'll, you'll see what I mean. So Keith says, hello, teachers, halfway through the phase three, which is actually very early in the course, by the way, phase three is level 13 to 21, I believe. Um, and there are 57 levels. <laughs> so and those levels get much bigger later. So this is like, I don't know, a fifth of the way through the course, maybe, in terms of the content, maybe not even that. So halfway through phase three and a few observations that are jumping out, some of which may be inadvertent results of the way I'm approaching your material. I believe I've been spending quite a bit more time doing character writing in the way of compiling great stacks and lists consolidated from your various flashcard and website sections. And for context, as a professional test prep instructor, I'm trying to see some Good and, good and bad in how I or my mind seems to be reconciling the material. So number one, I have recently begun reviewing HSK practice tests to sort of gauge my progress as a positive side effect of your course. I'm pleased to inform you that although prior to the beginning phase three, even HSK one seemed to be a bit of a guessing gander. By about level 14, I could crush both reading and listening with full confidence and could stumble my way to a pass on HSK two. That's the sort of feedback that I'm talking about. See, we don't know that until you tell us. So uh, this is just fantastic. Just one level later, I began to realize that I could almost instantly tell upon looking at a sentence whether or not I would be able to read it and whether or not any or all of the words were already given exposure to this point in the Mandarin Blueprint method, and I had yet but to reinforce them. This is an interesting effect. It resembles test prep strategies, for it helps to save time and prioritize how to skip around questions. It also seems to be a side effect of my having committed to writing out pretty much every sentence prior to phase two. That's, that, that, that is a, quite a commitment. Well done. And more or less fully writing every character example from all MB sources upon first, second, even third sightings, and so on. I can also readily translate most sentences directly to English with little trouble. That's fantastic. Although I am still extremely sluggish when it comes to managing a full spoken verbalization. Again, of course, that takes separate practice and you shouldn't expect yourself to be able to do that yet. Uh, not, not very well anyway. I expect this is what stands to improve with the incoming concentration on sentences. And then again, in phase four, working on greater celerity. I don't know what celerity means. Number two, a day prior to writing this, I realized I was able to successfully negotiate a pass on HSK3 reading and writing. Well done. That's fantastic. And that HSK4 was already much, very much just around the corner so far as reading and writing go. Having scanned ahead to see how the tests at HSK5 and 6 levels look, nothing seems at all in excess of the lengths of the graded reading materials you have set out for phase four and five. No, they're not. They're, they're rather short articles. <clears throat> the thing that's challenging about uh, the later levels, HSK6 um, is, and things like that in HSK5 is the speed at which you need to read, you need to read them and understand them uh, and be able to sort of uh, explain the points that were made th throughout the article. That's, that's where the challenge lies. So point three, 
And all this brings me to reflect on the guarantee, which I believe I remember reading on your website at some point or other to the effect of a guaranteed HSK4 pass. Well, certainly a person is practically there already simply by masking the, mastering the material through the end of phase three, it would seem. However, this mastery, quote unquote, would seem to also require a bit more devotion to the many many of the top-down words, grammar points, and word structure bits so as to come as close to the same vocabulary as tested upon in HSK4. I've not done a detailed comparison, but I already know that the vocabulary given exposure so far mostly exceeds the current, if not the soon-to-be, HSK3 level 4 requirements. Indeed, I can see that by the end of the intermediate course, the HSK5 reading and writing should be no struggle. It remains again that my listening skills are able to come up to par. Yeah, so we are way ahead of the game with the new HSK update. Um, so essentially, there's now nine levels of HSK, right? And there's that, so they've added three levels, but there's now over 11,000, 11 and a half thousand words in total. Uh, and around, I'm not sure how many characters, I can't remember, but uh, probably well over 2,000, maybe 3,000 characters. I, I, I don't know, I don't know, but a ton more content. So the way that we're now rejiggering the site, the, uh, the, the platform, and with the current the expansions that are coming up, hopefully soon, when you finish the intermediate course, we will guarantee that we'll cover everything in HS, the new HSK 1 to 3. So you'll definitely be able to pass the HSK 1 to 3. At least we... What I'm, what I'm getting from what um, Keith is saying here is that, yeah, we, we can, we said, how do we put this? So like, just because we cover all the vocabulary, I think that you can actually pass the HSK3 before you cover all the vocabulary, is, is, I guess is my point. So maybe even after the foundation or le before you finish the foundation, you'll be able to pass the HSK3 because it's not just, it's not like it's just a, a list of vocabulary and they test you on the definition of each word. It's a general understanding of the language, um, for re mainly for reading and writing and listening, no speaking. Um, so you'll probably be able to pass the new HSK way before you finish the intermediate course, which is the, the, the currently the end of our entire curriculum. But once we expand it, the upper intermediate course is going to cover HSKs four to six as well, so one to six. So you'll definitely be able to pass the new HSK six, new HSK six. And then the advanced course will cover everything all the way up to nine, so you'll definitely be able to pass the nine. But again, even even maybe you could pass the advanced course after the intermediate. Maybe you could pass, uh, sorry, maybe you could pass the HSK nine just after the intermediate course. We don't know. We'd like to hear from you guys. So. You know, HSK, we, we do, we don't, sometimes we don't say very nice things about it because it deserves criticism. It's not, it's not the ideal way. Uh, it's not the way they select their words and things like that. Um, but it is a great benchmark. It's a great target for everyone learning Chinese to have because it's, you know, national, internationally recognized and it, it generally does demand a certain level of skill from you. So, um, yeah, so uh, just a little side note there regarding our course and the HSK levels. So finally, number four, these things being the case, that my progress is good enough, progress is good, although it seems to me quite shifted away from the mainline intentions of your recommendations. Would you generally or strongly recommend that I 
greatly reduce the sorts of extracurricular bits and focus more on plowing through the levels as you've, as you've set them up? Or do you think it might be better if after finishing the initial reviews through to the rest of phase three, just to chill and put off moving to phase four until I until after having more or less thoroughly digested all of the phase three materials as it cycles through Anki with me. Thank you so much for, thank you much for this and your previous swift and helpful replies. Yeah, so basically what, all I said to Keith was, we kind of, when it comes to this kind of question, how should I approach the course? It's kind of the same way we approach the course itself, the, the, the actual memory techniques within the course. It's like, follow these basic guidelines, you know, select your actor, you know, um, try and imagine things visually. You know, we, we give you basic guidelines, but really we're kind of like, just play it your way. And the, that attitude for over the last two years that we've instilled into you guys has led to a lot of innovations in the course from you. And because we've just been so flexible with the the rules of how to approach everything. So I don't like to be too dogmatic with saying, oh, you should definitely do this. Because at the end of the day, everyone's different. And one of the most important factors, as I often mention, is are you enjoying yourself? Are you having fun? So basically, is what I said to Keith, I'm, I, you know, I just said, would you enjoy chilling for a, a few weeks and doing that? Um, or would you also enjoy plowing through? Because if it's both, I would go for plowing through because <laughs> it's faster, you make more progress. As for extracurricular activities, writing out sentences, it's not necessary. You know, it's not necessary. It is extracurricular, but do you enjoy it? Does it, do you like get excited to do it for half an hour, like writing out sentences? If the answer is yes, then do it. If the answer is kind of, but I feel like I'd rather just make progress with the course faster, then do that. If you're like, no, I hate, I hate doing it, but I feel like I need to, then definitely don't do it. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's it's kind of a, that's, that's often the overarching factor. As long as you're following the general guidelines, you're following our instructions as you go through the course, fill your boots, take it as fast or as slow as you like and do as many extracurricular activities you like. There are some people that like to shadow every single sentence, sometimes several times, every, every time they review their flashcards and they like to do that. But I definitely wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't I wouldn't put, like go out of my way to say, hey guys, make sure you <laughs> spend an extra half an hour a day <laughs> and like, you know, um, Doing, doing these extra things that you don't 100% need to. Of course not. But they do have great effects overall So, as well. But um, so yeah, that's, that's my generally my answer to that. So then Keith responded, thank you for the suggestion and encouragement. <laughs> By your use of the word plow, spelled P-L-O-U-G-H, instead of my use of the word plow, P-L-O-W, I'm guessing that you are Luke. <laughs> yes, I am. I look forward to the next podcast then because I said I would share it. It will, a week from now, I assume, as the one just put out focused on a fellow learning Chinese as, as a fourth language. Yeah, that was just a case study. Yeah, that's uh, very impressive, wasn't it? Just a quick update. This is great. I was able to pass the HSK2 yesterday. So previously, Keith was just doing practice tests, but now he's passed the actual HSK2 with excellent reading and a 29 out of 35 on listening. That's just fantastic. The Anki sentences for phase three are just starting to come in thick now. Yes, they, 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 get, they get faster and faster. But then 
But uh, once you get used to them, they, they sort of peter out, level off, plateau. So as you get used to the amount and Anki, the algorithm sort of takes its time getting used to the amount too, you, uh, you get used to it, it levels off. So he continues, I've decided to split the difference between the two approaches and dedicate now through Sunday, June 13th to consolidate and review notes for reinforcement and refine my hands and movie stories and elements before moving ahead full steam through phase four. I'll attempt HSK3 as a final bonus before starting phase four this Monday, posting my results in a brief post at the outset of the lessons. Thank you. I'm excited about phase four, like a child waiting for Christmas. That's so good to hear. And I'm really excited, like a child waiting for Christmas, to hear your HSK results. So please keep us updated. Next is uh, Scott Schneider by the community. He just asked a quick question, traditional versus simplified. When looking at Mandarin Companion, Highly recommended, by the way, graded readers, very good books. We know um, uh, Jared and uh, Jared, sorry, and um, and uh, John uh, quite well. Um, great guys, great product. When looking at Mandarin Companion, other resources to buy, beginner books, some ask about traditional versus simplified characters. Taking MB, HSK and other things into consideration, is there a way we should or need to go? If no option, does moving between the two cause major problems this is kind of like a just it's a personal thing um simplified is by far the most useful just you know objectively because so many more people use them um but like i've been told and i agree actually by you know i've been told by a lot of my chinese friends over the years that traditional characters are really worth learning um for various reasons um they are used by you know Hong Kong, for example, is very, very small. In Cantonese is a very small place, but it's a very impactful place. It's a, it's a huge culture, even though it's like a small geographical location. You know, um, of course, there's also Taiwan, Singapore, and stuff, um, and so many Mandarin learners. Again, Taiwan's a fantastic place. You know, so um, so many Mandarin learners just focus purely on traditional. Uh, you also uh, it just opens up more doors in terms of more content you can consume. Um, and of course, Hong Kong is, is opened up completely, whereas China China is completely is very closed and censored. And sometimes, like for example, I'll give you one personal uh, story that affected me by not understanding traditional characters. And I still don't understand traditional characters, a lot of them. Um, I wanted to really read One Punch Man in Chinese, but for the longest time they didn't have simplified Chinese version because you know they only had the fantasy, the traditional version. It drove me crazy. I really wanted to read it in Chinese. They have it now, and I've smashed my way through the whole thing in like a few weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know that's just one example. But yeah, there's tons of content you're missing out on that you know, if you don't know traditional. So if I could go back. I don't have the time or the inclination to do it right now because I'm just too busy. I have too little spare time. So I'm not going to go and learn 3,000 Chinese uh, you know, traditional characters, or however many, maybe like 1,200, 1,500 traditional characters right now. But if I could start all the way back from the beginning, I might learn traditional first, just get it done, and then learn, uh, learn simplified afterwards. Now, I wouldn't know how to... And people often ask us, why can't you just create... Uh, hands and moving method for traditional uh, it should see it looks very easy but it's actually very very difficult because just the the amount of components involved and the difference in components is 
simplification process was in many ways not very intuitive, not very well done. So it's not, it, it's just tough. It's really tough. It would involve a complete overhaul of our method, again, for a relatively small, <laughs> uh, small um, uh, market segment, like I guess from a business perspective, you know. So it's, it's kind of like uh, the issue we're having with our advanced course times 100. <laughs> so if someone gave us, if someone like uh, someone was on our course and they were like a crazy rich and he wanted to give us half a million dollars or something like that, it's like, go and make the traditional version. We might do it, <laughs> but it's just not something we're going to do for a while. Eventually, I'd love to, but uh, not for not for a while. So yeah, that's my inclination with that. I think you definitely can. You can. I, I recommend as a, like a band aid solution. Go and get um, remembering the traditional Hansa by James Heisig and Richardson. I forget his first name. Um, go and get that three thousand tradition. You know, I think it's three thousand characters or whatever. Work your way through it. Apply our method to his to his character list and just do that back and forth. That wouldn't be a problem. Um, there should be a flashcard deck out there for Anki as well for that for that book. So. That's my recommendation if you want to learn both. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd like to also point out it's not essential, but it's just something that I would like to have done myself. Next is Helen on uh, this is a lesson, phase one. The intro, the very beginning of phase one, where you learn characters. She says, hi there, I would like to have recommendations on how to listen to Mandarin. It seems difficult to understand conversations. It's so fast to understand everything. Also, is it really important to speak with tones? Because I hear casual or formal conversations. I don't really hear the tones. Please and thank you. So it's similar to what I've been saying. Uh, I've, we've said this many times, right? If you want to learn to speak better, you you have free speaking practice. If you want to learn to write better, you have writing practice. If you want to learn to listen better, if you want to be able to listen rather, you have to listen a lot, a ton. Um, so... It's really that simple, but it's not quite that simple because it has to be listening done at your level. Right? It's comprehensible input. Uh, and you just do that for a while. As long as you can understand at least most of what's going on with your content, you listen active, as actively as you can. Sometimes you listen in the background, but just listen, listen, listen every day. Just have it on the background. Uh, don't switch it off. Just turn it down, depending on you know who you live with and stuff without bothering anyone. Uh, and just do that for six months. And of course, just, just work your way through our course and you'll naturally get better at listening and reading. Um, but I also recommend, as well as our course, on top of that, you, you, you do listen to our extra listening materials that we provide, like our sentence packs and things like that, and just have them on, on shuffle on your phone or whatever. And just do that. You do that for six months every day for, like, say, an hour. And with listening, you can do it for an hour. It's, it's, it's reasonable because you can just have it on. It's like a radio in the background. You will get better at listening. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's unconscious and it's gradual, but you will notice you'll have a breakthrough with listening after a few weeks or months. Um, and yes, it is really, it's really important to speak with tones. I know, especially when you hear people with different accents in Chinese, like, um, yeah, like people skip it. But it's kind of like how, how do we put this? It's kind of like how you see like, oh, wait a minute, that that expert professional piano player, he didn't play that arpeggio or whatever. I don't, I'm not, I don't play piano, but I'm trying to think of an example where it's like, 
when you have professionals doing something, they're allowed to mess with the rules. You're not, okay? So when you have like native Chinese speakers, you, ah, wait a minute, he got that tone wrong. No, he didn't. He's a native speaker or he's a highly advanced, you know, learner. So if he did that, he's, you know, it's, you, can, you can be sure that he's allowed to do that, you know? And it still sounds good. <laughs> so I think that I think that's a decent enough analogy for you to get that. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers that question there, Helen. And next is Soren. Just, a, just Soren's a very far into the course now, and he's probably finishing the intermediate course pretty soon. Um, and every now and then he gets sends us sends us a message like this. So we've got a sentence here. 他虽然只有六岁, even though he is only six years old, 但已经 he can already recognize a bunch of car brands, signs, like really cool to read a relatively advanced sentence like this and feel it is super easy. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of effect. You, and of course, with no pronunciation, uh, no, sorry, no pinyin pronunciation help, no translation. Soren understands that entire sentence and that's what you can do. Anyone can do that with enough effort and time invested into Mandarin Blueprint. Chris, Adrian on bonus, our top five most difficult tone pairs. He just says, great video. I can make these sounds correctly slowly, but struggle to do it anything approaching normal conversational speed. I look forward to the day they start coming out a bit more naturally. That's a great attitude and they will come out more naturally with practice and input, you know, and uh, yeah, so... That's, that's a great attitude to have, and um, thank you very much, Chris. Hank Elliott on vocab unlocked for T, uh, which means stairs or ladder. I love how so many of the compound words make total sense. Here, an elevator is electric ladder, T, and stairs are building ladder. Oh, low T, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what? Yeah, low T, yeah, 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 building ladder. Perfection and simplicity. Yeah, they... Uh, they really do have a lot, not always, of course, um, but vast majority of the situations, um, even if you can't see the pattern, there's a pattern there which you, you just don't have enough understanding of the characters involved uh, in order to uh, see that understanding. But it's, it's almost always incredibly logical and intuitive when it comes to Chinese compound words. And it is very satisfying. Even today, I'm like, ah, there's a new word. Of course, of course it means that. You know, it's great. Another one from Chris here on tones. He says, this is very intriguing. I've learned about 600 words over the past few months using other methods, but I'm at the point described in the video at 424 where I can remember the pinyin spelling, but not necessarily the tones. Yes, and that will be solved. So currently Chris is in the pronunciation course, but once he starts learning characters using our method, you'll, he'll be mapping out the tones of every character, or at least, you know, one pronunciation of a character. Many characters have different pronunciations, but he'll have a solid grounding at least one pronunciation, so that tone will be almost unforgettable. Um, and we've had people that have been like HSK 5 passes or HSK 6 passes, where they've started our method and gone through the whole thing anyway and relearned all those characters, and it's vastly improved their tones because they're all visually sort of tied to a personal location that they've lived in or been in. So you've got that to look forward to as well. Next, Doug Casey on uh, another pronunciation mastery lesson for yuan and yun. I'm finding yuan particularly difficult. Often the native recordings sound to my ear more like they have an ah 
as in cat rather than eh as in ten. Does this particular final tend to be inconsistent? That's tough to say. I would say that um, uh, yuan, yuan, I guess some people would maybe say it more like yuan, but uh, not that much like ah, you know, so it's maybe a slight, slightly more ah than eh, but uh, standard Mandarin pronunciation is yuan. Um, and just on, on a side note as well, I saw a comment about us, uh, I just stumbled upon it about our course where someone was like, oh, Mandarin Blueprint teaches yun, yun, as what I just did, yun with a yun, like that. And he said, but they don't say it like that. That's not how you actually pronounce it uh, in real life. And uh, I actually said the exact same thing. When I had a, t a teacher teach me that sound, she's like, yun, and I was like, yun, no, no one says that. But what she was doing and what I'm doing in the Pronunciation Mastery course is teaching you the mechanics of that sound. And the mechanics of that sound, the actual physical thing you do with your mouth, is Now, it doesn't, of course, native speakers don't say, oh, look at the yin today. They look very nice. But the, teaching that the mechanics of that process and that, that pronunciation allows you to say it properly. Yun, yun. It's actually much more subtle. It's not yun. It's yun, yun, kai yun, yun. Because it's it's a sound that does not exist in English. Um, so the only way to teach it is to sort of over exaggerate the mechanics of it, and then you can sort of develop subtlety as you grasp the concept. So it's 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 a very um, I remember actually like laughing at this teacher trying to teach me. I was like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. My pronunciation is great. And I could pronounce it correctly, but she was right to teach it that way. Um, so anyway, it's just, uh, just a side note just related to this lesson. So I thought I'd just uh, put that in there for you. Next is Matt Schubert. And he says, I have a small tone question. I'm still getting used to the usage of xialai in 拍照下来好看一点. So have a look, good look at this sentence. This is more for the uh, more advanced listeners or watchers of this. He says, in plico, pleco, still don't know how to say it, it specifically calls out the verb, the verb plus xialai. So for example, so formula in, including finality or completion. So for example, pai xialai. So if you're taking pictures, pai is the verb to take a picture. So So it means to take a picture and it being completed. So once I've completed the taking of the picture, then I can do something else. Yeah, so, so that's what he's seeing when he's looking at this uh, pattern. But actually he's seeing the wrong thing, but it's very understandable. Let's continue. It says, as both characters being fifth tone. Yeah, so in that example, yes. Shall I is both fifth fifth tone, very short. Um, just that's basically fifth tone, just incredibly short. It could be high, it could be low, but short, short, short. Is that correct here? So spoken, it would come out sort of quickly, like pai zhao shall I, as just one phrase, fourth, fourth. Uh, well, it'd be um, uh, first, fourth, fifth, fifth. I mean, the picture will come out looking better. So he's actually confused about. Uh, the, the, the patterns here. So when you use the xialai with the double fifth tone, meaning completing, like, as he's assuming is here, it's only used with single character 
verbs, I believe. Um, but it's regardless of whether that's true or not, I just that's the feeling I have. I might not I'm confirm that, but it's certainly not used in this case. What this sentence is, so let's have a look at the sentence again. Right, so So what this is actually doing, this is a conditional statement. This is saying, if you come down to take the picture, it will look better. Okay. But it's a it's a more advanced and very colloquial, very sort of natural way of using the ruguo. Um, uh, like basically if in a sentence where it just cuts out the rule it's just assumed that's what it's being said it's very advanced I wouldn't recommend that you try and just try this without looking at a few more sentences but you can basically so like is basically just saying in the context of taking a picture so if you came down so with the fourth tone fifth tone not double fifth tone as in to, you're up there come down here Xiaolai. So this is a very common thing in Chinese where the, you first you set the scene of what's what you're talking about um, in with the first word and then you describe afterwards. So for example, 他说话说得很好. So if you just say 他说得很好, then that's also okay. Um, but very common in Chinese, you'll have 他说话说得很好, so they double it, so it's like 他说话, so that, that 他说话 is like setting the scene of the subject of, of what you're about to say. Um, so it's just something to look out for. Again, only more advanced learners would really kind of get what I'm talking about right now. Um, so, but uh, it's just something to look out for. Sometimes it's good to, you'll, you'll immediately be able to do after hearing me explain it, but it's just hopefully hearing me explain it will be able to help you notice it in the future so matt that's actually yeah matt was mistaken but it's a sign that matt is really switched on and he's 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 uh, on the ball when it comes to these sentences uh he's noticing these little patterns he's like oh what's what's going on with this and that's 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 very promising that means uh, he's gonna do really well with this language next is rick on door um just i just thought i'd put this in because this is just a cool uh little rather common phrase um that not very many people hear or see or use uh, learners i mean so <laughs> so uh, let's look at that so is a compliment to but what's happening with so basically if you just say <laughs> that means eat more than me. So let's just look at the sentence again, break it down. Every day, so every day, like he, he eats more than me. But is, is like a lot more than me. So if you just said, that's just literally saying, he eats more than me every day, or every day he eats more than me. But if you say, it's like, it's just a way of saying, like, loads more than me. And it can be, this could be used with um, uh, all sorts of other verbs and adjectives, just anything that goes with more, basically. Um, so, for example, he's, he's way more handsome than me. 
or uh, uh, his his performance is better than mine. So his performance is like his performance at school is way worse than mine. You know, so there's all sorts of different ways you can use it. Just thought I'd uh, add that in there. Uh, go ahead and try that out, guys. Okay, so that's all of the emails and comments we've had this week. Had a lot of great ones this week. Um, thanks for those. Let's move on to the vocab living links. So the first one here is from... Um, so basically, if you, again, if you're not sure what these are, these are just sections uh, of our course. So this is how we teach you vocabulary compound words. We create mnemonics on all, for all, in all different kinds of ways uh, to, uh, to learn compound words quickly. So let's, uh, let's show you what we mean here. Alfred Hong on Vocab Unlocked for Joel, as in Joel Moore, so Weekend. And he just says, The Weekend, the band performing on Saturday Night Live. So that's an example, a great example of using a personal experience. And of course, you can just put a note. It's always good to put an image. And I'm sure because that's on Saturday Night Live, you'd be able to almost definitely find a great screenshot of that just using a quick Google image search. Put that in your flashcards and off you go. Um, so that's a, that's a great one. Thank you very much for that, Alfred. Another one from Alfred on vocab unlocked for zhu, ji zhu, which means to commit to memory and to remember, not just to remember. When I say to remember, obviously people always confuse it with, uh, as in like, oh, now I remember, which is, which is xiang qi lai, wo xiang qi lai, as in like, I had it in my brain and now I've recalled it. Um, but ji zhu is to the process of putting it in your brain. Uh, to commit to memory. And he just says, Anki flashcards. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think that would work very well. Uh, that's kind of very meta as well. Like how, how do you, just getting a picture of, maybe you just get the Anki logo or something. Um, but yeah, that would, that would work well. Well done, Alfred. Next is movies. So this is how we uh, learn characters with our method. And we have lots of good examples this week from people. Let's jump into it. Hank Elliott, make a movie for door, which uh, is the measure word for ear. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it's not the measure word for ear. It's the measure word for flowers, uh, and it's part of the word ear, arador. Um, so, <laughs> sorry about that. So we've gone through, so basically we've chosen the keyword earlobe for it. So Hank says, Darth Vader, DU actor, is in my grandparents' sleeping porch the null set and bedroom he's sitting at the little at a little school desk that's the prop that'll be the uh, top little coffee table that i grew up using oh, again personal brilliant so he's got a, not just any desk but a personal desk that he grew up using learning a new way to use the force he is making a tree prop that's, that's the prop below grow by pulling on his earlobe the more he yanks on his earlobe, the higher the tree grows. That's really good. Very simple as well. He's just sitting there concentrating and then you see the tree growing. He's like, that's, that's just great. It's very visual. Um, I couldn't think of any ways to improve that. Of course, you guys can go ahead and add some special effects to it, but that's very intuitive to me. Well done, Hank. Next is uh, Will Rayleigh. Make a movie for Zui, which means mouth literally your mouth, your mouth or orifice, not like coal, which can also be other stuff. 
today is specifically mouth. Number one, Dr. Zoidberg, oh, I haven't watched Futurama in a long time, so that takes me back, at EI's living room. Zoidberg is playing with the unicorn, that's the jiao, the horn part. Zoidberg is making the unicorn run towards wherever he points his laser pen. That's great. The mouth walks in and Zoidberg accidentally points the laser pen into the mouth's orifice. The unicorn follows the laser pen and jumps right into the mouth's orifice. The mouth does not look very happy at Zoidberg now that the mouth has a unicorn sticking out of its orifice. <laughs> so well done. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. Of course, it's kind of tough because you have the mouth prop and the meaning is also mouth orifice. So, uh, but I think you've you focused on that idea of mouth so much during the scene that's going to be very very clear. No no worries whatsoever. So well done. Next is Rick on uh, O as in uh, Ojo as in Europe. Jackie Chan is outside the entrance. First tone of the OU set. He was surprised when the courier delivered a huge box from his boss. <laughs> Hmm, what could it be? When he opened the box, there was a brand new red lawnmower inside. What a real surprise. He was very happy. Great emotion coming in. But then he was more surprised when he saw that the bill was already pre-charged to his credit card. And the whole box came all the way from Europe. Oh, oh, okay, very good. So one thing about that scene is that there's not much visual reference to Europe, which is the key word, right? There's like a bill where he's like, oh, it's very expensive, but it could be gui, right? It could be the meaning of gui, right? which means expensive. So I would have the courier is from Europe. He is dressed in whatever you personally consider to be the most typically European um, dress, like some sort of uh, getup that he has on. So I'm thinking the Buckingham Palace soldiers that's very british which is also europe i guess and uh or but for me because i'm british so I, I consider europe more like i don't know sweden or something like that switzerland you know this sort of thing um i hope those are actually in europe <laughs> i'm embarrassing myself but uh someone in like clogs or something like that you know that, that's how i personally imagine that but everyone will imagine that differently depending on where you're from and your upbringing okay so that's just something that i would add in as a, a very important detail and also make him notice that it's it, he actually recognizes it as a detail in the, in the pro he, he he reacts to their clothing that's very important it solidifies the details um if you have people react to it so well done rick another one here from rick uh, make a movie liao, which means to cure uh, with medicine, usually. So Li actress complains of an unexplained sickness and she goes to see a doctor, which is the bing, the, the sickness component, who holds a clinic in the kitchen second tone of the AO set. After consulting the doctor about her sickness, the doctor quietly reaches for a dark crimson hatchet hanging on the kitchen wall. Upon seeing the scary hatchet, Lee actress suddenly jumps and exclaims that she is cured miraculously. Her sickness is gone already and she <laughs> she hurries out of the kitchen. Just like that, Dr. Hatchet can heal. <laughs> Very funny. And humor is also really good. So, of course, I always like to show, even though that's really funny, your brain might forget that joke like six months down the line. Um, and you might be looking at that scene in your mind thinking, what? What's the meaning of this again? Like, I see a doctor, I see a scared woman. Like, but what's the where's the healing? So I I often like to just be a bit more obvious 
visually with my keyword descriptions. Um, I mean, it's very likely this is so funny and, and, and quirky that it would, it would be no problem at all. But I like to just play it safe by actually showing some sort of healing. So uh, maybe she's got like a big boil or something like that and he like hits it with the hatchet or something like that, you know, and she's actually like, ah, she's gone from in pain to actually relieved and happy, you know. I would always do that just because I don't want to go back and have to recreate my scenes if I don't, you know, um, if I can avoid it. But uh, still, always, always love the the humor and uh, the quirkiness from Rick's scenes. They're, they're great. Luke on Make a Movie for Anne. Jackie Chan is outside the entrance to my dormitory in Japan. He's dressed as a chimney sweep and he's excited to help out with the job he's been given with dom, the dorm's chimney smoking quite badly. Salma Hayek then comes out to meet up with Chan and shakes his hand, to which she feels more at ease shaking hands with a chimney sweep. <laughs> That's great. And you, could, you, can, you can show that as well. Again, show that visually. Her, ah, I feel more at ease. Like, show that. Um, and I'm sure you do, but just saying it's very important. Uh, well done, Luke. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she was like very stressed out. That's that contrast idea. So she's very, um, she's very stressed out and then uh, not stressed out at ease. And we've got one more here today from Nick Sims, who's always giving us really interesting scenes. Thanks a lot, Nick. Um, Tina Turner, this is for Tiao, by the way, Tiao, which means, uh, well, it can mean a few different things, but uh, it's a measure word for stick-like objects. I thought of long, thin objects. Tina Turner, the TI, is in the cafe at Lifetime Fitness looking for a smoothie at the bar when, to her surprise, a sloth, that's the top component, is there serving. The sloth lays out three choices for an olive smoothie. That's the bottom prop, I assume. Strip one. Green olives with a twig branch, strip two, black olives with a twig branch, and strip three, no olive, just a twig branch. Pick one. Great, using the, uh, the, the keyword very well there, using all the props. Um, and yeah, you don't really need much more than that. So uh, like keeping it simple, Nick always is good for that, keeping it simple and often adds a little bit of uh, uh, weirdness and funniness in there as well, to sort of uh, make it a bit more memorable. So thanks a lot, Nick, well done. Uh, and I think we'll leave it there for today. So thank you very much again for all those comments. I was really blown away by them this week. Um, and I look forward to the next podcast. See you in a couple of weeks, guys. Bye-bye.